Hello and welcome to the Impact Alumni Podcast. My name is Paul Clifford and I am your host. I am the president and CEO of the East Carolina Alumni Association and I produce this podcast. Uh, I try to do it on a monthly basis. Sometimes I do more and as you know, if you follow the podcast, sometimes I don't quite get one out every month and I uh, appreciate you bearing with me on that. Today we have a great show lined up. We are going to be talking with Scott Morey. Scott Morey is the Associate Senior Vice President uh, in University Relations. He's the CEO of the USC Alumni Association. And Scott's going to be joining us to talk today about managing a volunteer board of directors. Uh, Scott joined USC in August of 2007 as the Senior Associate Vice President for University Relations. He's responsible for planning, developing, implementing diverse programs to engage USC alumni. He also serves, as I mentioned, as the Chief Executive Officer of the USC Alumni Association and the as a member of its board of governors. Uh, before Scott went to USC, he came from the George Washington University, where he served as the assistant vice president for alumni relations and annual giving. He is an adjunct professor in the university's law school. Um, he teaches first-year legal research, writing, and oral advocacy. Uh, and Scott is a colleague of mine on the uh, Council of Alumni Association Executives, and uh, uh, it is great to welcome him to the show. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you. Well, Scott, let's get right into this. Talk maybe in general about the board you currently manage, and give us some of the basics, like the size, the scope of their charge, how long their terms are, how often they meet, major responsibilities, and, and how you report to them. Uh, sure. You know, I think the the most important thing to remember, first of all, is at USC, our Alumni Association board is an advisory board. It's not a governing board. And that's an important distinction um, because several of the colleges and universities uh, out there uh, do have boards that function as full-on governing boards uh, akin to a university board of trustees. That's not the board that I deal with at USC. Um, my board's an advisory board. It's made up of about 70 people. Um, wow, that's a big board. It's a big board, um, but I love the board. Um, the scope of their charge, quite frankly, is to advise me and my staff on the development of USC's alumni relations programs and to help us secure the resources we need to implement the plans that we've agreed on together. Um, and that's the scope of their charge. Um, when we talk about the Alumni Association overall, um, I talk about our mission as um, the goal of the Alumni Association is to advance the University of Southern California by engaging all of its alumni lifelong and worldwide, by building a culture of philanthropy among the Trojan family, and by being the representative voice of all alumni. And that message, um, that mission is repeated to our board over and over and over again. Everything we do here has to serve uh, one of those three uh, broad goals. Um, in terms of some of the practical things, uh, the terms of my board members uh, differ because we have different categories of members. Uh, the University of Southern California has 18 schools. Um, each of those schools is entitled to send a representative to the Board of Governors. Um, so you can kind of do the math. That adds up to a little under a quarter of, uh, no, I'm sorry, a little under a third of the board right. is constituted of representatives of the schools. We also have representative from our Department of Athletics, uh, from the Athletics Board of Counselors, who has to be an alum. Uh, and then the university also has four multicultural groups. I'm a Mexican-American alumni association, Asian Pacific, black, and LGBT. Okay. And each of those four groups sends a rep. Um, we also have 19 women's groups 
and they have a council of all the women's groups, and that council sends a rep. So I think if you do that quick math, um, 24 members are representatives of other organizations. Okay. We also have the presidents of the Parents Association and the presidents of our undergraduate and graduate student governments. So um, in, our, in our continuing math, 26 members are representatives of other organizations, which is great for us because it really helps us extend um, our message to all these constituents of the university, and we engage the representatives that way. They are evaluated on an annual basis by me and the president of the Alumni Association on their effectiveness in building, helping us build relationships with the groups they represent. So it's also uh, it's also a built-in diversity initiative too, in that you're making sure that you're having broad representation, not only absolutely multicultural wise, but also uh, school and college wise. Absolutely, and you know the balance of the board um, are made up of we basically we have uh, 24 at-large representatives, um, which are in three different classes each serving a three-year term. So eight of them roll off every year. So we're never losing more than a third of the at-large reps at a time. Um, And then we have uh, up to eight one-year special appointments, which I call the President's Friends appointments. Um, And we really encourage our presidents, because our presidents can appoint uh, eight of the at-larges and the eight specials every year. And we encourage the presidents, you know, if you really need to bring one of your friends onto the board, give them a one-year term so they're here with you. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and don't saddle us with them for a uh, time immemorial. But you're right. One of the great things about the representatives is that it automatically diversifies the board um, in that um, it moves the membership away from the immediate circle of people who are in the at-large slots. Right. A lot of the at-large reps tend to be people who have been very involved in our women's groups, our regional clubs, um, we have several life cycle groups like our half-century Trojans and our Young Alumni Council, uh, and those at-large reps tend to be from a cir- from a kind of a self-perpetuating circle of alumni leaders. Um, right. They all are friends and socialize. They, you know, they're all part of the same kind of set here at USC, and there's nothing wrong with that. But one of the advantages of all these other representatives is that it really does bring onto the board. Um, people who come from from different perspectives, and we treat them as ambassadors. You know, it's not enough for a school or athletics to tell us who it wants to be its rep. We actually reserve in, in our bylaws the right to reject a representative. And in fact, this year, um, we've told two of our schools, you know, your rep stinks, <laughs> and we don't want them anymore. And, and and so let, let me let me let me just uh, ask a question about that. There there are no term limits on the school reps or the, the athletics rep. The school reps serve one year renewable as okay. long as we and the sending group agree that that person is continuing to be an effective rep. Okay, great. So you know we've we've got enough to deal with in terms of um, finding new governors to fill the at large spots. Um, the at larges are. Uh, you can serve up to two terms of two three year terms before you have to step off the board for a year if you want to come back. Um, so the up to eight um, presidents friends that you call them now that's the president of your board. So yeah. you're, the president of your board can essentially bring in um, a group of people to help if they have personal initiatives that they want to see or goals. They can kind of build the team around them with those yeah. eight. I'll tell you how we've been using those the last few years. I kind of call the, it's kind of what I call the friends and honorifics category. Okay. So the, every president has one or two friends that they want to bring on the board. 
um, people who they went to college with or people they've become friendly with through volunteer work. And I think that's totally fine. I just don't want a whole board populated with those people. Sure, sure. So um, what I advise the presidents, and basically the way presidential selection here works, is we have a personnel committee of the board. Um, the, that committee reviews all the nominations that have come in. And I can talk to you for a minute when we get to the next question about weeding out uh, the resume builders. Sure. Um, how we handle people whose terms are up who want to renew. But we get all these materials, and then that board, that committee advises the president um, on who they think should be on the board. But the decision is the president's to make. And the way it's worked the last couple of years is it's the president, me, and um, whatever alcoholic beverage they prefer, <laughs> and we sit down together and really, you know, with with flashcards and try to put together a board that's going to be diverse, that's going to meet, and, and not just diverse ethnically, but diverse academically, diverse professionally, right. diverse geographically. Um, we look for what what are the things that are coming up that are facing the alumni association. So last year, we were really um, struggling to get a new corporate sponsorship program off the ground. So we actually looked and recruited and took onto our board three people who have corporate marketing backgrounds. Wow. And we put those people on our business partnerships committee, and we told them when we took them on the board, you are being picked because you have this skill, and we need that skill. So if you're willing to work with us with that skill, we would love to have you on the board. Um, but we're very clear with people up front why we're picking them. Sure. Um, but in the friends and honorifics category, um, I always tell the presidents, you know, let's use it for people who, again, are your friends or who people who have served a three-year term, they've had a long, distinguished career, but they're maybe not pulling their weight anymore. Right, right. Let's give them a one-year, I call it their roll-off year. Right, right. You know, it's a way of telling them, we're really not interested in keeping you for another full term, but we respect you so much, we're going to give you one more year. And it's kind of like a transition year for a lot. We've used it as a transition year. We've also used it for people we're not sure about. So um, we had the presidents of some of our clubs on the East Coast. Right. And I'm ta- I'm, I realize you're, you might be thinking, there's only eight. How are you using it for all these purposes? Right. <laughs> I'm just thinking through you know, the last three years how we've used these. Right, seasons. right. Um, so not all in one year. All of this stuff doesn't happen every year. Right. But um, we had the, pre- the president of our New York club, and our New York club is one of our best-performing clubs. But as you probably are not surprised to know, that person was not plugged into the local alumni volunteer leader click. Right, right. So, we sa- so I said to the president, look, New York is one of our best clubs. This guy should be on our board. Let's give him a one-year term. If we don't like him, we don't renew him. Right. But if we love him, then we can give him a three-year term. And we've so we've used it that way as well to test out people who we think look great on paper. Right. But we're 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 just not a hundred percent sure how they're going to be on the board. And so let, let me ask this: I know you've you've had a a number of diverse experiences, both East Coast and West Coast, and uh, working at GW before going to USC. Um, this this is a totally foreign concept to me with such a large board and it being an advisory role. You know, and, and my situation at East Carolina, where we have the 24, basically your 24 at-large members is our board, um, set up the same way where they have 
um, eight who roll off each year on, on three-year terms. Um, but they have the fiduciary responsibility and managing budgets and, and yeah. finances and all that. Would you say this would probably be um, an ideal model for um, a private school that is basically in the advisory mold? Well, you know, I think a lot of our size, again, is driven by USC's size and is driven by USC's decentralization. Right. So if I were a small college in the Midwest that had 50,000 alumni and everyone essentially graduated, you know, two-thirds of the people graduated from the College of Arts and Sciences or the whatever the Arts and Sciences sure, portion of the sure. college was, right. I might not need a board this size. I mean, the, the, my board... I, you know, being in a large in a large university with 18 schools that is decentralized in terms of its central administration, um, you know, I can't order anyone to do anything. Right. The the way I survive and succeed is by persuasion, and I need an army of volunteer leaders, and not you know not entry level, high right. level. Right. I, I need high level volunteers who can help me convince deans and other vice presidents and the athletics department that cooperation with me and support of me and my organization is in their interest to do. Not just, you know, when I, I don't get the schools to co-sponsor events because they think I'm a nice guy. Right. Even though I am. You know, I, I, don't, I don't want to minimize the impact of my boyish charm. Right. But it's because I have picked a board of influential alumni who go around and say, you know, I give a lot to your school, and it's important to me that you're an active player with the Alumni Association. Absolutely, and that's that's the answer I essentially yeah. expected. You know, yeah. a lot of people ask us, especially those who are either looking to reorganize a board or start a board from scratch, what's the best way to do it? And, and your answer essentially is, you know, you've seen one board that works, and that's all you've seen. It's not you've seen one, you've seen them all. It, it really has to be tailored to your institution and the specific needs and culture. And Yeah, um, I think it's okay to tweak. You know, I mean, I, I, the board that I have now is not the board I found when I got to USC. Right. You know, and a lot of it is also um, how you choose to engage your board. You know, what I, my board is one of my favorite parts of my job. I love my board. But that's because I've built a board that I love. Right. And, you know, it, you know you're, the last question I think you're going to ask me is about parting advice. And I might offer it now because it might govern the rest of our conversation. Okay. Whenever I, whenever someone tells me that they're having trouble with their board, my, my advice is three words. Own your board. A lot of people don't want to own their board. They flip through their meetings. They don't take them seriously. Right. They look at the board as something to be minimized or controlled, to right. not have a problem with their board. I look at my board as something to leverage the hell out of. Right. And I never want to be in a spot where my only goal is that I just didn't have a problem with my board this year. I want to own that board. I want them to feel like they're the most important thing I'm, that I've got going on. Because if I can do that, 90% of them will give me everything I ask them to do. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, there, there's so much more that we can do in terms of how we as an organization can benefit from having a well-managed, strong board than having a 
um, a managed board that you're managing just to avoid issues and avoid problems. That's, that's exactly right. That, I think that that's exactly right. And, you know, you have to look at what volunteers and staff bring. You know, neither one has the full array of resources you need. Right. I mean, staff may have access to the institution. They may have the resources to deploy. They may have the experience of, of the logistics, all that stuff. But the volunteers are the ones who put butts in the seats. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I found, you know, using our volunteers um, helps to minimize and in some cases even eliminate politics that go on on campus because, one, people aren't going – internal people – are less likely to be political with with volunteers, and so a lot of times when we have big issues, I will we will work with our lead volunteers and coach them up so that they're the ones who are advancing the message of the alumni association as opposed to Paul Clifford or Scott Morey alumni professional trying to get it done in political silos. Well, and it's also the issue of other volunteers. I mean, at USC, I have over eighty domestic and international regional clubs. Okay, I have nineteen women's groups. Several multicultural groups. I mean, there's only four that are represented on our board, but I have several on top of that. Plus, I've got all these life cycle arranged groups as well. I have a, a, a Mori tip for survival, which is I always try to put a volunteer between me and another volunteer. And so if I've got a problem with a volunteer, like the president of our Kalamazoo club is acting up or right. not doing what we want him to do, I want to be able to deploy one of my board members to deal with that person. I don't want to have to deal with it myself. I like to keep myself as the court of last resort. You know, if I'm involved, that means I'm there to dispense justice and move on. Absolutely. I always want to put a board member in there with or without one of my staff members and let the board member say to the volunteer leader, look, you're not with the program. Here's what we need you to be doing. And I'm here from the alumni board. And that valid, there's a validation that comes with other alumni of having your alumni board members out there front and center saying, you know, there's 70 of us, we represent the whole alumni base, and we are united behind the program that the Alumni Association is putting out. Absolutely. You know, the other nice thing that that does, Scott, is um, a lot of times when people are confronted with an issue, um, sometimes their their immediate reaction is, well, I'm going to go over your head and take care of this problem. And so when you when you position yourself, put a volunteer between yourself and a volunteer, their their next line of recourse is either that other volunteer or to you, as opposed to going to your vice president or taking an issue to the president of the university. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of um, it, it puts layers. Um, it puts layers in in between the issues, if you will. So, um, you see, it's the court of last resort. Absolutely. And then, you know what else does is over time it empowers my staff. So when I say to my my board members, you know, I, I, we have we have a couple of committees of our board that are ver the, and the committees are very active on our board. So we have a, one of our committees is club affairs because our regional clubs are a big part of our program. Right. And my director of regional clubs and the volunteer chair of the club affairs committee, they do quarterly calls with all of our club leaders, and I'm not involved. And what it does is it really not only does it use that volunteer well, but it has a collateral benefit of empowering my director of regional programs. Because what I've said is, as far as I'm concerned, they're equal when it comes to club affairs decisions. Right. And I'm not involved. So you've got to deal with the two of them. 
and they've got to deal with each other. Because of what I don't want to have to do is referee every relationship between my staff and their committee chairs. We're, this is the Impact Alumni Podcast, and we're talking with Scott Morey, the CEO of the USC Alumni Association. Okay, Scott, so your advice is own your board. Let's uh, let's dive into that then. What is your tip to help weed out board collectors, resume builders, or some of these unrealistic self-identifiers? And when I'm talking about unrealistic, you talked about the three goals that everything your board does is focused on those three areas. But there's going to be those pie-in-the-sky volunteers who will self-identify themselves and say, we could be doing this and that and so much more. What are your What are your tips on this board that you now own on how to handle some of those uh, some of those kind of potential volunteers? Well, I'll tell you, a lot of it has for us um, has it involved our executive committee because, you know, frankly, my executive committee is who we work with the most. Um, our executive committee is made up of all of our committee chairs, um, plus our officers, which is uh, the immediate past president, the president, the president-elect, and we have a board secretary who takes the minutes. And every year, and again, I've only been here three years, so we've done this the past two years, um, we have a planning retreat with the executive committee. And the retreat is me and my senior staff, or the staff that liaise with the committees, right. and the new executive committee. And during that retreat, the new president gets to lay out um, what he or she is interested in doing. Um, and um, I spend the better part of an hour talking through what I thought the successes and misses were of the year that we're ending and what I see as the challenges and opportunities that are coming up for the year ahead. And I'm very candid with my board, I share with the executive committee at least. I share everything with the executive committee. I share my budget. I share things that are going on in the central administration. I I never want my executive committee to be surprised because the minute they don't trust me, the minute that's the minute they'll stop supporting me. Um, and then they go through a planning exercise where the committee chairs and the staff that work with them um, are given about two hours of time, and they have to come up with uh, three um, reachable goals, three achievable goals, and two stretch goals that support our mission and are tied in some way to their committee's work. And then those are presented to the whole executive committee, you know, right there. There's a chance for comment, discussion. Sometimes they're tweaked. Then they're typed up and sent out to the whole board of governors. And that's what we use to ask people to sign up and indicate what preferences are they have for committees. So right off the bat, um, the executive committee and my staff have agreed on what the committees are working on that year. So it's not like we're going to put a whole committee together and then at our first meeting in October we're going to start conjecturing on what we're going to work on this year. That's already been decided in June. And not only has have we met, we have actually laid out like the seven or eight tactics we're going to follow this year. And that has kept most of our committees on track most of the time. Wow, that, it's, a, it's great. Uh, it's a great model you just laid out for, you know, setting up your game plan for the year uh, and and how you've, you know, a lot of times uh, alumni offices will will set up their game plan for their staff and then separately will set up the game plan for the board and what they want the board to do. Your your model kind of weaves those two processes into each other. Absolutely, and we do it in June. So that as my staff are developing their own plans for the year, they can account for what they've already said they're going to do with the board. 
And, um, and then when it comes to weeding out the people who are not productive, um, we actually, my, my end of my first year here, we set up a pretty rigorous renewal process for members whose terms were ending. And um, when your term is over, it used to be if your term was over, you would be renominated. You know, you find one of your friends who'd submit a nomination for you. Right. N- now that's eliminated. Members who are uh, whose terms are up for renewal are, are sent a questionnaire that they have to fill out. And the questionnaire asks very pointed questions about what do you think you contributed to the Board of Governors this year? What was your greatest accomplishment as a governor? What are things that you think you could have done better as a governor? I mean, we have a whole questionnaire they have to fill out. Sure. And it is amazing to me um, that the people who we didn't want to renew, by and large, don't fill out the questionnaire because they have nothing to say. Right. And it's a way of saying to them, look, it, this, is not, this is not an honor to be on the board. This is not just um, a, an empty honor to be on the Board of Governors. This is a working board, and we need people who are willing to work. And what that questionnaire does is, first of all, um, the people who are rock stars can fill that questionnaire out in 30 seconds and send it back, and they're going to be renewed. Right. The people who have nothing to say, who haven't contributed, do one of two things. They either don't submit it, in which case they, they're not considered for renewal. Right. Or they call and ask to talk to me about how to fill out the questionnaire. Right. And when they call me, I'm honest with them. Uh, I, I think that's a I think that's a, a great practice. It's something that we do on an annual basis. Um, uh, well, the tactic that we take, and I and I I'm, I agree with you about being honest and upfront. I schedule one on one because our board's a little different than yours, and and they're tied into their three year terms. I set up one on one meetings with all twenty four of my board members on an annual basis, and we God do bless you. we do that interview face to face. Yeah. So we go and we ask some of those questions, you know, what do, what do you get the most pride out of in terms of serving on our board? Uh, what do you think your biggest contribution has been? Um, and so it allows us, you know, because our boards are different, as, as we've both described, it allows, uh, in my situation with the board member who's going to be with us for a couple more years, an opportunity to coach and guide and kind of lead them in the direction that we need them to be going as yeah. opposed to the non-renewal process that you all have. Yeah. So we have a couple minutes left, and we're talking with Scott Morey, the CEO of the USC Alumni Association. Scott, let me let me ask you this, um, and you've touched on a number of the questions that we had um that we had already predetermined we were going to talk about. But one thing I want to uh, maybe dive in, I, I think a lot of people, again, they take the tack that you talked about where they try to man- minimize the issues that they have with their board. But I know that you're a guy who um, not only, uh, you, you know, you're the kind of person who sees an opportunity an opportunity for taking advantage of your board members, and, and I mean that in a positive way, um, for your own personal growth. And so talk a little bit about how you use your board members to build your own personal skills, how how you use them as executive coaches. Well, you know, I think it's important, you know, at the end of the day, we're in a people business, right? Right. And if you're – so, you know, I – the best relationships that I make in this job are with my board members. They're people who I am okay socializing with. 
And like with friends I make outside of this job, you know, I look for people who, you know, push my boundaries. Right. I look for people who are going to expose me to new things. I look for board members um, who have skills I don't have. And like, for example, the corporate marketing stuff that we talked about earlier. Right, right. You know, I made sure that I was at all the meetings where those guys were in here reviewing our materials and giving my staff advice on what to do. I wanted them to treat me like the assistant director of corporate sponsorship. Right, right. And teach me. And, you know, by doing that, you build relationships over time where then people, you can go to people and ask for feedback. You know, I ask for my board members for feedback, not formally, but informally all the time. And um, and there's a group of them who I've become very close with. Um, the other thing we do, you know, so so I'm not really sure if that answers your question. No, I, ab- absolutely, absolutely. But, it's basically how you build your staff and, and you kind of look for people whose skills that you don't own um, and try to put them around you so you can either develop your skills or have those skills available to the organization. And you know what? You know, I think there's always a lot. You know, the, the, the thing is, you know, people's histories are so by their nature, idiosyncratic and individualized. And I think that the way to learn from other people's stories is to hear a lot of them so that you can see themes and commonalities between how people and how people succeeded. Right. And I try to get all my board members to tell me their stories. You know, um, when I started at USC, obviously I didn't go here, I'm not an alum. Right. When I started, the list of people who wanted to come talk to me about what they thought I needed to be working on was huge. I mean, I, the team, Absolutely. the volunteer leaders. I mean, my job is a very emotionally charged one at USC, right. <laughs> as it is everywhere. But here it's a little on steroids. Um, and what I did was instead of scheduling appointment after appointment with people to just come in here and, and complain to me, um, I asked people to take me on a tour of campus. Oh, that's a great idea. And by doing that, they got a little bit of a chance to tell me the things that were on their mind, but they also then got focused on telling me about what they loved about USC and what they've done with their life since they graduated and about their values and about their families. And I try to synthesize all that stuff I hear into wisdom that I can follow in my own life. That's a, that's a fantastic idea to and, pass yeah, on. And it was, it was a great way to kind of meet a lot of people, um, get to know them fast, and learn about the campus fast. Um, And I do also believe in the concept of a personal board of directors. You know, I have a Scott Morey board of directors, and it is made up of about 15 people whose advice I would very easily follow on pretty much any point. And a couple of those people are people I've met through my alumni board here at USA because they're people who I've heard their story, I've learned their values, and I've engaged them and said, hey, can, can we be friends? Can we be? Can you be my mentor um, in this aspect of my life? And they all love that. And if you're, I think if you're open to letting your board members help you that way, you will find board members who are willing to help you that way. Absolutely. It, it only starts with you being open to that. Absolutely. Some great stuff, Scott. We are out of time, but I wanted to say thank you uh, for joining us on the Impact Alumni Podcast. You are clearly an expert and have passed on some some great tips that I know our listeners will appreciate and use. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. 
Stay tuned for more of the Impact Alumni podcast coming up. Thanks for joining us today. I look forward to a future episode. And until then, good, better, best. Never, never rest until your good is better and your better is your best. So long, everybody.